and welcome to the FEZ show. It is the 10th of August 2020 and we've already had four races but a champion has been crowned in Antonio Felix da Costa who has just been stunning picking up three wins obviously what one in Marrakesh uh, two in Berlin. He's also finished. Uh, he's got three third place, uh, three second place finishes. Sorry. Um, so he's just been absolutely dominant this season, and you know, becoming the champion, the earliest ever champion in Formula E history. And with me to discuss what's happened over the last four races is Edward Hunter and Jack Pickering. Morning, boys. Good morning. Morning, Jack. Morning, Pico. Mate, it's just, oh, it, both of you, it's been an absolute thrilling four races, and I can't believe how different those four races have been, and we'll get onto that in a moment. But, Ed, Antonio Felix da Costa, what a season he has had. Um, obviously, with the post-race shows, we've heard a lot from Jack, so let's get your opinions on it. Um, he's just been absolutely stunning this season, and since he's come back um, from the lockdown through these six races that we're supposed to have in Berlin, he has just been absolutely stunning. Yeah, uh, good to have Formulae back and good to be back on the show. So, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, da Costa had a pretty magical, uh, is magical the right word? Run. Uh, in, you in could Berlin. call it magical. Came in only, two, came in only about uh, two points ahead, didn't he? And then he's he's just ballooned out. To this. I think he's had some excellent races and the people who are fighting with him in the championship, Evans... Degrassi, Buemi, etc., etc., have just had really patchy kind of runs where they Evans scored about nine points, I think, and he was second going in. So um, it's so but De Costa did everything right. I think full credit to, to Cheetah and Mark Preston as well. They've clearly built an excellent car that has brilliant energy management, or at least the pace enough to make up for any energy management deficiencies that it might or may not have. It definitely is one of the best cars out there, and uh, you have to say. De Costa made great use of it, better use than his teammate Vern, and that's what one of the reasons why he's champion. It took him a little bit of time, I think, at the very beginning of the season to bed into the team, but a few races in, he was never really off the podium, apart from maybe one time in Berlin where he came fourth and just missed out to Jeb. But yeah, it's just been a phenomenal consistency, and uh, a, De Costa has really shown some of the excellent pace that he, we always knew he could do and he's been able to deliver it. And I think for me, Jack, what I find interesting is that De Costa sort of didn't really have in these Berlin races the typical Formula E run, right? He was in Group 1 in qualifying, but he, he managed to get through. He managed to qualify well, whereas everybody else, all of his championship rivals, Evans, Van Dorn, Verne, you know, all had... Gunther as well all had sort of normal Formula E weekends where they're in Group 1 and they get a poor qualifying performance and De Costa didn't do that and that allowed De Costa to just excel in this championship and literally grow his points lead exponentially. Yeah, he's just had the absolute best run in Berlin. He's um, He uh, he only missed one Super Bowl session, which was on Saturday. Um, and yeah, he's just been... Uh, he's he's just been so good because there's only one time, um, which was on Saturday, that he didn't top the Group One sessions, and um, and 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 yeah, we say that Berlin is a track that Group One doesn't affect much. Um, uh, so the qualifying format, it doesn't really matter that much what group, uh, what uh, what group you are in. Obviously, still gets better when you're in Group Four than Group One, but it's not much of a difference. And so, yes, I think that's helped Antonio Felix da Costa. But his championship rivals have always been no higher than about 10th. 
on uh, on on every single day apart from Van Dorn, who was running third, I think, on the Saturday, and then he dropped a couple of places and then got a puncture. Um, and so that was that was really that. So for, uh, for him, but um, but no, his um his his championship competitors have really just really fell off the pace. Yes, Max Gunter won a race on Saturday, but um, yeah, no, everyone else has. Um, they just weren't able to start qualifying up, and that meant that they were starting further back in the race. And it meant that uh, De Costa could run away at the front, score all the points, and uh, that was that, really. Yeah, and with Gunther's win, it was already kind of like too late in the day for that win on Saturday after what happened on Wednesday and Thursday with De Costa. Um, but let's just talk, Ed, emotionally. De Costa was so emotional. And as I said on the live show yesterday, you know, I was doing the race report and I had to stop. And just listen to what he was saying because it was so emotional. It was so, you know, you got caught up in that emotion when he said that he was so close. Are oh, you going all mushy on me now, Jack? Well, I think everyone was. Everyone was like, oh my God, even obviously Jack Nichols in commentary was. But I, I know Jack obviously said it, but I think everybody else was feeling it, right? And I think that's true because the way he said it, the way he, you know, said how he was going to give up and then go back to university, go back to school and find a proper job and maybe just do some am racing on the side. And then, you know, to get his chance at BMW and then the way he thanked BMW because he said if it wasn't for BMW, he wouldn't be a professional racing driver. And all of that, it's just the emotion and everything that DaCosta's worked for and finally he wins the championship. Um, you know, for me, it took me away. What, what about you, Ed? Well, I think the lesson there is uh, stay in racing, don't go to school, <laughs> but um, don't go to university. But the lesson I wish I had learned. But um, but yeah, I think I, I'm not completely cold emotionless, sorry, but I agree. I think the Costa story did, did touch me a little bit. And um, I, I think because you have to remember back in the uh, nearly uh, eight, nine years ago when he was in the junior Formula, junior, uh, Formula 3.5, he was the up-and-comer, he was Red Bull's um, man most likely to make it to Formula 1, and then he had a slightly disappointing season where he got beaten by Van Dorn and Magnussen in uh, Formula Renault 3.5, and he ended up um, basically uh, being jumped in the queue by Daniel Kvyat, and uh, you know, he, he was still backed by Red Bull for a little bit after that, but he was going into DTM, he was going into Formula E, and he was sort of feeling that his F1 chance surpassed him by, and he was just trying to make the best of what, what he had. He still had the BMW links, of course, but it's only really when he abandoned them to John Tachita that he's really been able to fully get in a car where he's been able to fully excel. And I think this season really showed that he made the right choice to go to Tachita, really, because it's all worked out extremely well. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, Jack, uh, he's just been, you know, obviously it was hugely emotional. Um, but I just, what, what are your thoughts on it? Because... As I said, just thinking about it right now, I'm just like, it was so emotional. Like, other drivers have broken down from winning championships. You know, I think Nico Rosberg, because of how tough it was and the, the emotional behind that. But I think watching a championship win lately, I think that was probably the most emotional a driver has been um, coming off a championship win. Yeah, de yeah, de uh, definitely. We, we, we have seen some really emotional ones in the past. I don't think we've seen one that emotional in Formula E. I'm trying to think back to the times where we've had champs over the last few years. I think I think the most um I think the most emotional one 
prior to that was probably Nelson in season one becoming the first ever Formula E champion. But no, to um, I mean, like Tony had a fantastic season. He's he uh, even he, even before he started this dominant run, he was still getting podium places um, over the course of the season and. We, we we have seen this a bit the last couple of years because I um because uh, J- uh, Jack mentioned it in commentary because Jean Eric Verne had a terrible start to the season and then came alive from Sanya onwards and went on to win the championship um and so and yeah yeah last season after Hong Kong if you told me that the top two in the championship would have been Verne and Buemi I would have laughed at you and um even more of it was Verne and Da Costa <laughs> um. Well, no, De Costa. I would I wouldn't have been that surprised because he has because he had a good start to um uh, to season five. But um, but yeah, no, this season I think uh, this season I think Tony Tony Dak has just deserved all the plaudits that that uh, that, that he's had. He deserved three race wins. He was so dominant on the on the reverse circuit, and that to Cheetah Car and him is a lethal combination. And I think finally, Ed, just to talk about Antonio Felix da Costa before we move on, you know, a great question came out from the press about him and, and Formula One and if this could probably give him a chance. And because obviously John Eric Van said he was offered an F1 contract when he won the championship and da Costa came out and said, you know what, I'm not interested in Formula One. If someone comes knocking, I'm not going to take it. It's not for him anymore. He doesn't want to race in it. And, you know, he wants to make Formula E his home and, and other championships that he's competing in as well, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I guess um, the thing is in Formula 1, there wouldn't really... It's hard to see where he would be in a competitive seat. Obviously, we know there's the 2022 regs coming in that are supposed to equal up the field in Formula 1 and sort of make uh, make things a bit... There's a bit more parity for the smaller teams as well. Uh, but, uh, but Formula E, you've kind of already got that. And Tachida, who started off, don't forget, as Team Aguri when Da Costa was driving for them. And Da Costa put in some real giant killing performances in the early couple of seasons. And then um, he's been able to rejoin the team with a lot more investment behind them. And uh, still some of the same people like Mark Preston, of course, was team principal. And they've been able to really, um, uh, in a position where they are the team to beat and the car to beat. So... Well, there isn't really a good reason for De Costa to leave that behind at the moment, and you can tell how much it it means to him. It's not a stepping stone to get back in to reignite his Formula One hopes and maybe have a couple of seasons at the back in an uncompetitive car. He wants to stay in Formula E for the long haul, and it's I, I think from that perspective, it kind of makes sense. No, I agree, but let's talk Czech Cheetah because obviously, you know, the champions again, double champions, nearly could have done free Jack with season four as well, losing it on the last day. And obviously they've got the opportunity now next season to equal Renault Edams by getting a third team's title in a row. So obviously, and again, they wrapped it up incredibly early, the earliest team's title, I think, to be wrapped up potentially. Um, But who is going to stop them? Because at this precise moment, Jack, you know, we're looking, we were talking about it over the last couple of days. Oh, look, BMW back in the fray with Maximilian Gunther. Maybe they can, you know, make a late surge. All Jaguar at the beginning, they looked like the most competitive team. And then Nissan came out of nowhere on Sunday and looked like the strongest team behind Tech Cheetah. And we just like, we need an, at least one or two teams to be as consistent as Tech Cheetah are. Because at the moment, the teams behind Tech Cheetah 
are not consistent. One race they're good, the next race they're bad. Whereas Tech Cheetah with both drivers are super consistent. So, you know, I don't know who's going to stop because the field is so strong, Jack, in terms of who could stop them. But I really and truly, going into next season, they need to become more consistent because Tech Cheetah will, will stay, stay consistent. consistent. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've got a feeling that Renault Edams might have won the team's championship the, the same sort of time in season two because that was a really that was a really dominant year for Boemi and the same with Nico Nico Pross was a fantastic number two that year but don't quote me on that I could be wrong um but yeah I think um but, but yeah to Chisa they've 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 clearly found something over lockdown that has just accelerated them further and further ahead um the thing is with Formula E is that you don't really know what's what's going to happen next um yes the last few days we've gone like yes okay to cheetah at the front everyone else behind near with the back but um but still i think um i think uh i think that this won't be the status quo going into season seven as well i reckon i reckon that they i reckon that they've suited the car up really really well for um uh for berlin um and uh, and uh, and uh, and yeah. So when we head to Santiago in season seven, I don't think it will be the same. I think uh, with the changes in driver lineups, uh, with the progression teams will make over the summer, I think that um, I think that they will. Uh, I, I think that they 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 won't be swallowed up into the pack like um, Mercedes were in 2010 after the Braun GP triumph. They're not. It's not going to be like that. But I still, um, I still think, um, I, I still think they'll be at the front. But we'll see Jaguar next year with Mitch Evans and Sam Bird. Porsche have signed Ver. Well, we we believe they've signed Verline. We've been saying this for the past two months now. We still believe that they've signed Pascal Verline. Uh, so, so, so with these bolstered lineups uh, for for these big manufacturers, him it it. it, it it might become extremely close towards um uh, towards season seven. Yeah, and just just to um answer the question about the season two, so I just looked it up while you were talking. So Renault Edams won it by fifty points, but I think it went into the final two races of the season. They may have won it just prior. Oh wow! I didn't um, realize so it was they won it, it was that a late. it was a fifty point gap between them and uh, Audi. Um, well, after that um, after Berlin, or... so after London. Yeah, I was pretty sure they secured it on the last day. I don't remember yeah. that. It's um, when you win the drivers that year. Okay, I was not, thinking Cross had a good season that year. So, and, and obviously, you know, figured about just going back to the emotional championships very quickly. That was quite emotional for Bowemi because obviously he won it in the pits after being crashed um, with Lucas Degrassi on that day. So that was pretty emotional. The thing is, Jack, I think you're right. I think it is going to be incredibly close next season. And obviously, with it being a world championship, you know, I'm expecting the likes of Mercedes and Porsche to make that next step. And if you look at the drivers that they've got as well, De Vries, I think, has come alive so far this season. And especially post-lockdown, he's been super quick. And if Van Dorn can sort out his qualifying, um, Ed... You know, I think Mercedes could be there, and you, you you expect Audi to make a better powertrain and take a step forward, and and BMW as well with Gunther and Sims if that's their lineup going into season seven. 
you know, you'd expect them to, to mount a challenge, Nissan as well, because they look so quick. And I'm saying all these teams, Jaguar as well, you're expecting one of them to make a challenge. and But can they mount a consistent challenge? And that's what I think the big question is going into season seven. Yeah, I think you're right there. And um, I guess Nissan sort of stand out because Edams were the one who won the first three, first three teams titles. So there's a sense of them having been dominant before. Audi's all won it in season, the constructors in season four, very narrowly beat, the only ones to sort of narrowly beat Cheetah in the, uh, in a sort of title fight. So they've got that going for them, even though Audi had a pretty difficult season this time around. Degrassi was still able to get a few good results and Rast will hopefully get a bit better, even though he's a new driver. Uh, and of course, if the Audi powertrain is anywhere near, you know, race winning dominance, then that bodes well for Envision Virgin, who of course have got Nick Cassidy and Robin Frines. And Robin Primes, we saw, very nearly won the race on Saturday, and he just uh, got beaten by uh, Maximilian Gunther. Uh, it'd be interesting for BMW, because I think Alexander Sims had a very difficult time in Berlin. So it'll be interesting to see if there is any threat uh, for him and his seat. So we'll have to see uh, if um, you know BMW decide to keep him or if they go for someone else. I think Alexander Sims is a very good driver, not quite able to you know, maintain his title challenge all the way through. He had a great start to the season, if I remember correctly, winning in um, Saudi Arabia. But uh, we'll have to see who it is. I think there's a lot of good candidates, but don't count out the customer teams either. Well, yeah, when uh, when you were speaking about Frines there, I just I just had a thought because I remember I remember thinking when the results came up, is point one two eight the biggest? The, the, uh, sorry, sorry, not the biggest, the smallest gap over the line. For, for a winning Formula E because the record is 0.105 but that was for Buemi on no D'Ambrosio on Buemi in Mexico after Lucas was disqualified so I'm not sure if that is the closest that we've had to the line between like for, for an actual race where not one that was decided in the stewards room after so yeah so Mexico 2019 doesn't count then well, 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 yeah, but I think there was a bigger gap between Verline uh, and, and Degrassi on the line. I think. I think it was two tenths of a second that one, or two one eight, um, was the gap between Degrassi and Verline in Mexico twenty nineteen. But yeah, I think you know it'd be really interesting next season. That's the thing with Formula E. I think every season we say next season is going to be so interesting because it's so tight, and you know. I just, you know, we just have to wait and see. We'll see what preseason testing brings us and see what happens in Santiago back in January. But let's go back to the races that we've just had in season uh, season six in Berlin, the four, because we had four entirely different races, Jack. Um, you know, Wednesday was chaotic, mainly because of energy management. Uh, Thursday, the attack mode, and I think, honestly, the attack mode has played a huge part in all four races and in terms of making it interesting and, and providing a strategy element, which I suppose, now that we've seen it more and more and obviously not seeing Formula E for so long, I think we all forgot how good attack mode is. And then, obviously, Gump for Saturday was, as I point, point, pointed out to you, sorry, in the... Um, live show I felt was like a MotoGP race where you just stalk and wait and wait and wait until the perfect time to actually overtake your rival and then Sunday was more of a traditional race I felt um, just a normal race where normal race cars go racing and they try and do race car things to overtake each other um, and so I just I find it amazing that yes we've had two different layouts um, with the reverse layout and the 
single layout, but they have not produced the same race each time we've used them. They do race car things. Someone who got a journalism degree. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, no, it is. Um, no, they did. Um, I think I enjoyed Saturday's race a lot more than Sunday's. Sunday's was very kind of laid back. There wasn't really much going on. I think the biggest, uh, the biggest moment of yesterday's race was when uh, Gunther slammed into the back of uh, Ollie Turvey um, uh, at turn four on lap one. Um, the rest of it was pretty pretty subdued but yeah but, but yeah with attack, attack mode has been making these races rather interesting um and so and 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 and, uh, and it's been shaken up even last night um there was for a small period of time where where ollie roland was in second place uh, ahead of uh antonio Felix da costa um and so yeah yeah yeah, it, it has been making it interesting. You said um, uh, uh, you said about Saturday's race, mate, a bit more MotoGP style, waiting and waiting and waiting. It 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 it, it was very Mark Marquez of um of of uh, Max Gunter to just sit there and then pounce on pounce on the driver in front towards the end of the race. But yeah, no, it was um yeah, it was a fantastic uh, yeah. Uh, uh, we've seen some fantastic races these these last six days. So, um, yeah, it's been good. I, th I think we can compare Max Gunther slightly, Ed, to Max Verstappen because he did some similar thing on the Saturday race where he, off his own back, said, no, I'm passing now. This is the time to pass. And in Formula One's race on Sunday, Max Verstappen said no to the team. I'm not backing off. I'm attacking the Mercedes. And I thought... Yeah, I'm not a grandma, um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, obviously, it happened the day, you know, Max Verstappen had happened the day after, but when I was looking back at Max Gunther's race, I thought, that's a driver actually making a decision in the heat of the moment, going against the team and what they're saying, to say, I think, actually, this is how I'm going to win this race, and if you don't let me do it now, we are not going to win this race. And I thought that was very interesting because I know Max Verstappen is young as well, but Maximilian Gunther is quite young, a bit more inexperienced compared to Max Verstappen, and and knew at that point, no, I've got to do this now and not listen to the team. Yeah, well, the team went on the radio and said, "Oh, remember Marrakesh, which is where he was also in a fight with Vern the first second it was the last race before the pandemic hit, and." Um, I think um, they were sort of in position and Gunther was basically outfoxed by Vern right at the end because he'd used up too much energy. So that was what the team was trying to remind him of. So you can understand it from the team's perspective. Gunther made the right call. Uh, significantly less granny bashing than uh, Verstappen, thankfully. But um, but yeah, I, I, think it was, uh, I think it was very well judged from Max Gunther. It's very easy to, uh, when the team gives you advice, to basically just go along with it and not question it but sometimes it's it's one of the things that really marks out some of the great drivers they know when to uh, basically go by their own initiative and uh, make the first move which can often be very decisive i'd just like to say that my uh, that my nan drove like uh, drove like a demon when she used to drive um used to used to constantly drive at about the speed of her age so 87 88 round there for, for, for what she was doing 88 miles per hour on like a 30 mile per hour road no just no, no boom not, i'm going not on a 30 mile an hour road down the a41 down the um, a41 oh well that's all right then it's fun yeah at least well at least you at least you went fast that's the main thing Jack. i got to i got to college on time so thanks nan 
you're good, not good, watching, good. but yeah. But yeah, but no, I just thought it was interesting, and and maybe Jack just to finish up on Max Gunther very quickly. Like I think we talk about Nick DeFries, um, having an absolute potential to have a great, you know, career in Formula E. I think Maximilian Gunther is another one. Yeah, there are, we, we we are now getting to the stage where there are so many drivers in this championship who are going to have a fantastic career in this in uh, in this in this series. So we got Max Gunther, we got Nick DeFries. Um, there is probably some more. I can't think of them at the moment, but um, but, but no, they're, they're the most it, youngest ones yes, at the moment, yes. I'd yes. say. Yes, de- yes, definitely. But um, but yeah, there's yeah, uh, but yeah, we're gonna have uh, we they it, it, about four or five years ago, it was uh, it was like oh, it, oh, it's FE re- it, it's 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 Formula One rejects and old people, um, and <laughs> and it's just changed like it, it's just changed so much since then. We've got rid of the Yano Trullies and Jacques Villeneuve's of 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 um of Formula E and and we've replaced them with Mick DeFries and Max Gunters and just and 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 some really, really hot prospects who especially in Nick DeFries' case, should have had a shot in Formula One. But unfortunately that um that that never came to fruition. And that's the exact same thing with um with uh, Tony Dak as well, because because he he should have had a go in um he should have had a go in Formula One, but um yeah it just it, it just didn't really emerge to be but he's but yeah he's had a he's had a great career in Formula E building his way up he's got in the championship car this year and he's won the whole shebang. Yeah, and I think you can maybe add Sergio Sete Camera to that list because you know he's had a a bit of an up and down but obviously with that pace of the dragon you can never really tell but. The pace and practice for Sergio Sete Camera has been fairly decent. Um, qualifying hit and miss, uh, and the race is hit and miss, but maybe once he gets more experience under his belt, maybe Sergio Sete Camera could Quite a literal hit, actually, in the case of James Carlotto um, <laughs> on Saturday. Yes. Um, but maybe he can also become like a decent driver um, in Formula E. But let's finish up very quickly then with some news um, coming out of yesterday's race. And keeping on Max Gunther, Ed, um, he injured himself in that crash with Oliver Turvey. Injured his wrist. We don't know the extent of the injury. We think it was just precautions. But, you know, the risk was giving him some bother. And obviously, with two days, hopefully he can get healed up and ready for Wednesday. Otherwise, you know, maybe BMW might have to parachute another driver into the car for Wednesday. Yeah, I remember Nick Heidfeld uh, in, I think, season two in Preacher Dry injured his wrist and had to miss a race, which is where Oliver Rowland had to fill in for him. But um, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame for Max Gunther. It was, a, it was a kind of a needless kind of incident where Gunther just got caught out by the pack backing up and he did some serious damage to Turvey's car because Turvey struggled on and it eventually finished last. And the car is basically, it's a Neo, so it's wounded anyway but yeah um thanks good for his wrist uh fingers crossed it gets better but yeah that's not good for him especially after having won the day before going from basically literally hero to zero in the matter of seconds in the race and i think obviously i think oliver turvey once upon a time also um was injured as well her his wrist and made him um, that's right uh, season four new york i think he missed so the race completely. he missed a race and obviously jack um, we're going to see a return of a Swede in the Jaguar, which we were all expecting, in Tom Blomqvist, obviously been in Formula E before, um, with Andretti for six races at the beginning. Um, 
but in terms of Jaguars' season, I think this will probably end their season because Blomquist obviously has had no testing, well, not much whatsoever in that car. So I think they're not having a great season at the moment. So in terms of their championship position, I think this kind of like cements them to move further down the order potentially. But what do you make of Tom Blomquist? And you're probably hoping, as he's a Swede, that he has two positive races for Jaguar at the end. Well, yeah, he's he's... He's a he's a son of a he, he's a son of a Swede. He races under the British license, but he he's he, he he's more Swedish than I am. So, yeah, um, that being I I am not Swedish. I just love Sweden. Um, but um, and I can see you're holding course, that Swedish yeah, flag proudly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I was. I was. Oh yeah. No. I was thinking because if um if Max if Max Gunter can't race, Joel Eriksson at one point was part of the BMW program. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but no, Tom Blomqvist. Uh, I'm I'm quite excited about he um he uh, he had a decent couple races when he raced for Andretti, um, but he never properly got into the groove and was replaced. I think a little bit unfairly by Stefan Sarazan at the end of season four. Uh, yes, it will take him. Uh, I, I I I'm not expecting much from him. Uh, I think if he qualifies in the top twenty in the first race and then maybe top fifteen in, in the second race, that would be good. And then just fight, fight for the midfield, and I think that might be best for him. But yeah, no, um, yeah, no, I'm gonna, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited because, uh, yeah, he is, he is part Swedish, so I'm happy. Nice. Um, I suppose the only good thing for Tom Blomqvist is that it is a new track, so maybe, um, you know, it's a new track for everybody, so maybe they'll have to figure something out in order to, um, in order to get a good result. I think maybe he might have a small, tiny advantage to have a better race potentially but boys thank you so much we've come to the end of the show thank you so much for being on thank you uh, it's been a pleasure Jack. and remember to keep an eye out for the formula e-zone website at the moment because lots and lots and lots of stories are coming out during the day of all the sort of implications that came from the last race uh, that we just had on sunday um if you're really enjoying these videos and enjoying our content you can also go back and have a look at the post race shows that we've done and and you know there we give all the information on what the drivers are saying at the end of the race. So come and join us on Twitch for that. Um, it's been a lot of fun also interacting with you on Twitter with that, uh, on Twitter, on Twitch um, with that. So please remember also to like and subscribe the, to the video if you're enjoying the content. If you want to also come and join our Discord channel, um, there's a link below in the description. Come and join the Discord channel if you love talking Formula E. We'd love to talk to you in there. But thank you so much for watching. We will see you very soon. Goodbye.